Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Noel is not here today. But we'll be returning soon. Uh, They call me Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Decant. Uh, or, you know, maybe for this episode, he is our elder evangelist. Oh, wow. Deck, decant. Uh, but most importantly, friends and neighbors, conspiracy realists and skeptics alike, welcome to the show. You are you and you are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. That's right. And today we're going to delve into uh, another cult. We've discussed them on this show before, how to start them, uh, how to identify them, how to deprogram yourself from them. Cults are, you know, a troubling but fascinating thing to discuss. And much more common, especially uh, here in the States, than the average person might guess. There's there's something very American about cults in the uh, global idea or concept. You know, when you – if you ask somebody uh, in the United Kingdom about a cult, they might tell you something about Charles Manson Mm. or Jim Jones, you know. Yeah, there's something very American about the need or the want to be an independent or breakaway group from a major thing. Oh, good call, Matt. I didn't think about that yet. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Now, this this group we're discussing today – goes by many names and we started thinking about this off air when we ran into some some strange stories on the edge of the news for the most part. So here's the skinny. We've all heard of dumpster divers or survivalists, other people living off the grid for one reason or another. Often people are driven to this lifestyle through some sort of necessity, maybe poverty, homelessness, escaping law enforcement also happens way more often than you would think. Uh, Or they may be pursuing a philosophical position. It may just be a temporary situation, a form of vacation. In some cases, however, people are driven by something deeper. Yeah, that the spiritual movement, a calling and – They'll just latch on to a set of beliefs or find a set of beliefs Mm -hmm. to be latched on to that compels them to leave just the everyday mundane, all the stress, the studies, the career, the family, the expenses, 
everything. Just leave it behind. Just hit the road, right? Mm-hmm. Hit the old dusty trail and light out for the territories, as Mark Twain was wont to say. So when people disappear because of this spiritual calling, this revelation, right, uh, this imperative from a supernatural force, right, when this happens, for most people, at least most people here in the States, it's just another example of freedom of religion. If you're not hurting anyone, you're allowed to do what you feel like doing, right? Yeah, if you're over 18, you can move wherever you want to move if mm-hmm. it's within the legal you know, constraints of citizenship and everything. Right, yeah. So if you want – if you just decide, if, if Paul one day, for instance, halfway through this recording says, you know what? Done. I'm donezo. I'm out of this. I am going to Mississippi. Mississippi. I'm going to Mississippi. I'm only going to wear blue clothes. These are the two things I realized. I'll build the religion around that. Then he can absolutely do that. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with people doing this as individuals or as uh, intentional communities. Unless, that is, there's more to the story. But let's start, as the the Mad Hatter was rumored to say, at the beginning. Those are rumors? Yeah, I believe that he doesn't – I don't believe he actually makes that quote. He is also not called the Mad Hatter. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. I remember we discussed that on this show before. Did we? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think we briefly brought that up, the Mad Hatter not actually being the Mad Hatter. He's not that mad. Just the Hatter, I think. Oh, man. But he is a – okay, so he is mad, but he is not the Mad Hatter. Right, and he's mad because uh, that's an allusion to the mercury, right, used to form hats, the felt of hats. I remember we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. The past is blurring, you know, a watercolor in the rain. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> Worked on <laughs> that one. So so here are the facts. We're We're talking about this group that according to – itself doesn't really subscribe to the concept of names. You know what I mean? Correct. It's not about the name. It's not about the name. It's the system, man. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And we would like to introduce you to uh, the leader of the group we're exploring today, Brother Evangelist Jim Roberts. According to J. Gordon Melton's Encyclopedia of American Religions, This uh, gentleman, Jimmy T. Roberts, was born in Paducah, Kentucky on June 5th, 1939. He was the son of a part-time Pentecostal preacher named Coy Roberts. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Jimmy was one of six siblings and his family was not very well off. They were impoverished, living in poverty. And Coy couldn't seem to hold a steady job. This is uh, the father, Jimmy's father. Mm -hmm. And... Most of the family's income came from the mother, Mrs. Roberts' job at, down at the town drugstore. Absolutely, Matt. And for the Roberts family, we see that the idea of um, material gain is – it's not the primary focus of their lives. They're, the primary focus of their lives uh, seems to be religion or a spiritual calling. Both parents are deeply religious – we mentioned that he, uh, the father was a part-time Pentecostal preacher. He was at a place called the Church of Jesus Christ. Granted, not the most creative name. It was a small independent church pastored by a man named Irby Reed. And Jim's mother was a member of an anti-Trinitarian United Pentecostal Church. And we'll, we'll discuss what mm-hmm. that means a little later. Yeah, I thought, I thought of you when I was reading some of this stuff. I, th- I knew you were going to be our go-to pick yeah. to explain this because you know some of the doctrinal differences there. It's a bit strange, but we'll get to it. So Jim himself was preaching by the age of 15, and Irby Reed's relative recalls him at a very young age saying, Hail is hot and there's no ass water. Oh, man, just such an observation. You know, it's. I think it gives us a sense of the type of oration he was he was presenting. Yeah, it's it's a simple image that he's giving you. There's something that you won't be able to have uh, while you're in this place that's really bad. So you got to keep yourself away from it. And also, it is a a, a fire and brimstone 
message. Very, it's uh, very much like that early American work, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Yes. It's dwelling not on the good stuff, the, the nice things that might happen or, you know, the glory, the kingdom of heaven. It's dwelling on the punishments and yeah. the dangers. It's that stick. Mm-hmm. This is really interesting for as we're getting into this a little mm-hmm. later, what Jim's views are or the way he shaped his beliefs about spirituality. Yeah. Uh, he – kept this consistent theme. He was also a smart kid. He was the only child in his family to finish high school. And we're not equating intelligence necessarily one-to-one with going through an educational system successfully. Uh, As anyone who has experience with rural America or rural parts of the world will know, often very, very intelligent children are not able to participate in the education system because they have to work uh, Mm -hmm. on maybe an agricultural field or somehow provide income for their family. But despite these obstacles, Jim Roberts made it out of Paducah. In 1958, he joined the Marine Corps. He became a sergeant. Uh, He served until 1961 and he was a Vietnam veteran. He returned to civil life and he moved around the United States working a number of jobs. He ended up in Chicago with the chance at the the American dream version of life in the 60s, you know. He found love. He found love and he thought, is this my chance to have a spouse, my 2.5 kids, my 9 to 5 job for a few decades with the gold watch at the end? You don't get those anymore. He probably would have Yeah, at that time. But the answer is no. His uh, his romance failed and around the same time he encountered a very eccentric group known as the Jesus People on the north side of Chicago in a neighborhood called Uptown. Yeah, it's one of those intentional communities. Mm-hmm. There, You might find a few around. I know in Atlanta there are several you can go and visit. Mm-hmm. Um, just a group of like-minded people living together. Who, how did we describe them in a previous episode, these these sorts of communists? Just people who are extremely on the same page <laughs> yeah, exactly. about very specific things. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that um, a spiritual <laughs> intentional community is just not going to care about. Yes. They pick like a number of very small things and then they – everybody is in lockstep ideologically about them. This encounter – you know, his experience spending time with the Jesus people provide some high-octane fuel to Jim Roberts' spiritual journey. And he doubles down on his lifelong dedication to religion. He moves – you'll hear a couple of different stories about this. One story will tell us that he moves to Missoula, Montana in 1971. And then you'll hear other people say, no, he joined a movement in Colorado he met a small group of fundamentalist extremist Christians. So these would be people who recognize a, a Bible as and, and use it, right, read from mm-hmm. it and study it as any other Christian would, Christians in the audience. You know, there are multiple versions and iterations of Bibles, which also <laughs> – we're setting up as a little bit of foreshadowing mm-hmm. here. But uh, but Roberts began to exert influence on this group. He was not content to be a member. He wanted, you see, to be a leader. And coming out of uh, the Vietnam War, his experience as a Marine, as a Marine sergeant, gave him some hardcore uh, take-no-poop uh, skills when it came to leadership. Oh, yeah. Everything from the stone-cold stare at someone when you're having, let's say, a, a theological argument mm-hmm. to keeping someone in line when they're incorrect or when you believe they're incorrect. There are all kinds of things like that. There was a quote that he had a piercing, mesmerizing gaze yeah, kind of Rasputin-esque perhaps. Mm-hmm. So he would stare people down. He would mentally dominate them, yeah. kind of a, a Darren Brown, probably a little bit of pickup artistry in there. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing that charismatic religious figures will use. 
And he successfully became the leader of the group. He had also grown to hate the world, the modern world. Yeah. Remember now, this is him coming off of this relationship that didn't work out after he probably saw it as the golden opportunity and his entire life was ahead of him and he saw it and then it failed. So now he's kind of in a way spiraling into this. Like in a way you could say that, but we're not, you know, you can't ascribe all of this person's actions to this one thing that happened to them, but you can definitely see how it's morphing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Roberts realized that, oh my God, the end of the world, it's about to happen. The world is going to end. He felt like his world was ending. He thought he was seeing the signs. You know, he, there wasn't some date that mm -hmm. he told everyone the world is going to end, but you know, he knew it was coming. He could feel it. Right. He had a divine revelation. It was something where he thought, you know, people have always said this before, but now I know the end truly is nigh. And this means that we must purify ourselves. We have a, a very small window of time. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. And a lot of work to do as individuals and as a group. Return to homespun clothes. Don't own a car or a house or a bank account. Uh, live off the land and bear witness or proselytize, evangelize, so that other people get the message it's the only way we can be saved. He planned to drop out of society entirely and he ordered his followers to do the same. In the decades afterwards, this group, traveled widely and separately. If you attended college in the United States, by the way, you might have seen one. Or had a conversation with a small group of people. If they thought you were vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so they would scour college campuses looking for the, quote, called out. These are the people the group believes will join them to escape the imminent looming judgment day. This is the birth of the group that would come to be called the Brethren. And we'll continue to explore that group after a quick word from our sponsor. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season, millions tuned into the Betrayal Podcast to hear a shocking story of deception. I'm Andrea Gunning, and now we're sharing an all-new story of betrayal. Stacy thought she had the perfect husband. Doctor, father, family man. It was the perfect cover for Justin Rutherford to hide behind. They led me into the house, and I mean, it was like a movie. He was sitting at our kitchen table. The cops were guarding him. Stacy learned how far 
her husband would go to save himself. I slept with a loaded gun next to my bed. He did not just say, I wish he was dead. He actually gave details and explained different scenarios on how to kill him. He, to me, is scarier than Jeffrey Dahmer. Listen to Betrayal starting on May 23rd on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, old friend, what do you say? Uh, Shall we play the name game with the brethren? Oh, yes. Let's begin with what they're known as externally to the outside world. Ooh, lay it on me. The Jim Roberts Group or the Roberts Group. I get that. That's probably uh, from some law enforcement or cult uh, hunting networks, right? Yeah, and also the parents of of group members mm-hmm. they have a they have a group mm-hmm. <laughs> and they call them the Roberts group internally we'll hear conflicting things there will be some ex members or survivors of the group who say that it never has a name maybe it was referred to as the church mm-hmm. or they would refer to each other as the brothers and sisters the body of Christ the brethren but there is another name that has as recently surpassed the other names in terms of popularity. The Garbage Eaters. And you did some uh, you did some digging on this, Matt. Where did that come from? Well, it comes from their mode of attaining sustenance, or at least the group's uh, preferred mode of getting food and water. And that's by either making arrangements with stores that have food that's about to expire mm-hmm. and then taking it from them or – just by scavenging, going through dumpsters and dumpster diving. Right. Yeah. Dumpster diving. And, and Oh, yeah. And uh, it was named this or it was coined this on an episode of 2020 that was discussing the Roberts group. Mm, and they called them garbage eaters? Yes. I believe the host said that name. So that's a little uh, a little hyperbolic, a little – yeah. Derogatory. It does not describe in any way the beliefs of the group or what it stands for or anything besides the way that they get food. Mm-hmm. And freeganism, I know we have a lot of people who have done dumpster diving before in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Freeganism is not an objectionable thing, especially when we consider the sheer, just staggering, tragic and disgusting amount of food waste, uh, things that are thrown out when they're perfectly good. And they could be feeding starving people. But, yeah. Of course, we can't legally tell you that that's a good idea to go dumpster diving and live off the wasteful spoils of uh, these supermarkets. But we can tell you that in many places it is against the law. It's trespassing. And in some cases, if you don't know what you're doing, you could easily give yourself some sort of food poisoning. Yeah, but we can say that you can make some kind of arrangement – with uh, maybe a local store or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can at least reach out and see what they say. Yeah. You can go to the manager of a store at the end of the day. A lot of places like bakeries have to throw stuff out, mm-hmm. delis, things like yep. that. So they're living in a very low-impact way, and they've been mocked 
or I guess characterized as somehow vile or repellent because they're doing something with the noblest of intentions. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's it's strange that that would be what people latch on to. So we do want to say very clearly it's not a it's not a cult that worships garbage and eating it. No. I would be fascinated by that. Yeah. I think you would too. Sure. Uh, but but okay, so we know so far this is what we've established. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Roberts is the head of this group that we're let's I guess we'll call them the Brethren because that's what they're known as internally. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we know that they scavenge for food. Well, let's talk about what they believe. Yeah, what are their actual beliefs, Matt? Okay, so they uh, officially they follow the teachings of the Old and New Testament, so both books, major books of the Bible, mm-hmm. but the, it's taught as interpreted by Jim Roberts, the the leader. And literal meanings are given to passages in the holy writings and they tell, you know, they – we go through some of these, right? Don't we have some quotes somewhere in here? Yeah. We'll get into that. Like specifically what pieces of scripture are used to develop the group and kind of control the group and maintain it. Yes, and as we established earlier, there's not just one Bible. You know, there's just one Torah. There's just one Quran. There are different translations, but that doesn't mean the books are different. Right. And then there are when, when we get to the Bible, you got all you got all kinds of stuff. You got yeah. some some have uh, extra books added, some have books taken away. All of these, by the way, are um, created by people who feel like they're reaching the purest form of it. Right? Yes. And then others will rely on different translations and this great game of telephone essentially proceeds from the ancient eras to our modern day. And they, the brethren, have a particular version of the Bible that they feel is the best. Oh, yeah. And it's the King James Version. You might have seen that one coming. Uh, It's – according to Roberts, this translation is the one. And all other translations are corrupt as well as the beliefs of most other outside Christian organizations besides the brethren. And it sounds strange at first when we think about the King James Version being touted as the purest version of the Bible because, of course, the original books that would later come into the Bible were not written in English. No. Right? And the – I believe that the King James Version is the – third English translation approved by English church authorities. But I I don't know, man. Although it sounds crazy, I've heard this reasoning in other rural communities where someone says, well, the King James Bible, and I, I heard someone say this, Matt, is the closest to what Jesus Christ actually said. Oh, yeah. That that was big where I grew up. Particularly with uh, members of the sub- the Southern Baptist Church, mm-hmm. some of those, which is, is still. But do you see what I'm saying? It still confounds me because when I first heard it, I thought, "Well, Jesus Christ didn't speak English, so wouldn't the purest form of whatever was said uh, be something that occurred in the language in which it was spoken and then originally written?" Rationally, absolutely. I would say, in my experience, I did not think about that at the time. Really? Well, I mean, again, it's a, it's a spiritual matter, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, according to Roberts, the King James Version, that's the one, that's the only one, except no substitutions. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the nature of God, like his mother, Jim Roberts is a staunch anti-Trinitarianist, believing that God is not three separate things. Uh, instead, the brethren are modalists. They think it's all one thing, one God. But Matt, what what exactly is Trinitarianism? Because I, I feel like we can all get a rough sense of what it is by say, you know, just by the etymology. It's against threeism? What does that mean? Yes, Trinitarianism or the Trinity doctrine. This is the belief that God exists as three separate but equally important Persons and the word persons is used a lot when describing um, these separations of God. The the only thing is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit; those three separate things 
are each made out of the same essence, the same being, the same matter. It's the same thing. It's but at the same time, it's three separate persons. It's a little weird. I, the way I think about it is um, water. You know, water exists as liquid, gas, and a solid. Mm-hmm. And it can be that the same water can be each of those three states at any time. But it's still H2O. It's still made of the same exact essence or matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you get into modalism, this is this one is a bit confusing for me. This is the belief that God is a single being or person that has revealed itself to people in different ways at different times in history. Okay. So when God created the universe, God manifested itself as the creator. Then when Jesus was born and came down to earth, it was again, the same God, but manifesting itself in a different way. Um, like an incarnation of sorts. Kind of. But again, when you when you talk about it this way, it seems like it's the exact same belief system. Right? You know, oh, that they're built of the same substance? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is definitely a, a deep doctrinal point. Yes. But what, what you're saying about modalism makes me think of the old story of the mice and the elephant, you know, where mm-hmm. these tiny mice run into an elephant for the first time and one hits against its leg and thinks it's – discovered a tree. Yes. One hits its nose and thinks it's discovered a snake and so on without realizing that this is all a greater single thing. That that's a that's a great point. I just I I kind of don't want to sit in a room and have an argument with somebody who's a, a trinitarian and a modalist and just have them argue because I don't think I would enjoy that. I I would watch it but only if I could have snacks. And leave whenever I want. Okay, totally, totally. Like if, <laughs> I would love to hear this doctrinal argument so long as I do have popcorn with like the option for um, I don't know what's your what's your snack of choice when you go to the movies. Oh, I bring my own. I don't. Uh, I mean, um, Matt, we can't um, legally tell people to do that. I don't do that. <laughs> I just don't go to the movies anymore. Oh man. Yeah. You are a man of principle, my friend. Well, <laughs> speaking of principles. Yes. Let's get into the key scriptures that yes. the brethren uses. There are several key lines of scripture guiding the brethren. Uh one is from Luke 14:33, so likewise whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. It's a literal interpretation. Mm-hmm. If you don't give up everything, you're screwing up already from the jump. And then there's uh, Matthew as well, right? I'll read Matthew. There we go. It's 1929. And it says, And every one that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. So if you give up everything, you forsake all the people in your life, all the stuff in your life, you're going to live forever. At least in a way. Tight. Yep. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm, I, I think that that sounds like a cool promise, right? If that's a real thing. Yeah, but you're, look what you're giving up. Yeah, you're inheriting everlasting life away from – Everything the, you love. The, well, away from your worldly loves. Okay, there you right? go. That's the idea is that your real family is going to reward you, your real family being – God and your mm-hmm. proximity to God. There are a few more you can look up and, and read to yourself, such as Acts 4.32, Matthew 6.25. They're big Matthew fans. I mean, who isn't? I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Matthew fan. Parents in the 80s were huge Matthew fans. <laughs> there we go. Uh, what else do we have? We, uh, Mark 8.35 and 2 Timothy 6, 7, and 8. And we'll just read that one really quickly. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. As we mentioned before, there are no metaphors in this church, in this group. All of these things are literal interpretations, and they have a rigid, one would say, militaristic hierarchy. The members of the group are put into smaller groups, subgroups. Uh, cells, in other words, similar to the organizational principles used by some terrorist groups. 
and they are small. They are nomadic. They might squat in a house. They might find a cabin. They might camp in the woods. They can range in size. It can be just one person sent to a city or area as a scout, as a harbinger of sorts, mm-hmm. or it can be as many as 15 people. Yeah, there are, there are stories of groups that will find a house that's abandoned and then actually rather than just squatting per se, just being in that house while there's no one living there, making an arrangement with the property owner to clean the house, to keep the you know the yard and everything spick and span and looking nice, but be able to live there. Which sounds kind of cool if you're a if you're a landowner and you're aware of these folks. They they seem like pretty cleaned up people. They're not out doing drugs, mm-hmm. right? They're not um, they're not going to be committing crazy heinous criminal acts on your property. I can see it being really troublesome though, because if you've got a house that's either abandoned or maybe just no one has rented for a long time mm-hmm. and then you have someone, a tenant like that in your home and then let's say somebody is interested in renting that home or buying that home, you can't just kick them out. There's some very complicated rules and laws having to do with that. <laughs> oh, you squatters rights? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they kick in uh, at various times depending on the state or the country you're in. So – when and where these groups move uh, is ultimately going to be up to the brother evangelist, Jim Roberts. He's known as brother evangelist. Mm-hmm. He's the elder of elders now, which is important to the group. The membership of these groups always changes. So let's say you, Paul, and I were a three-man unit. Mm-hmm. And we were sent out to maybe scout for a place in New Orleans or near New Orleans, right? And then, well, let's say we hung out and we were – we just got too cool with each other. We said, you know, well, this this has been a fun ride, but maybe we should just stay in New Orleans, you know, start a band. Yeah. I I play the oboe or something, whatever. Sure. We play in that situation. Well, that would damage the overall group. And as a result, the membership of these groups, these subgroups, these cells changes frequently and they're sent in different directions to prevent them from getting any kind of relationship, whether a friendship, something like a collegiate thing or even a romantic thing, uh, to prevent that from ever becoming a competing focus, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a very effective way to control people. The (laughs) – the uh, Additional control system for every cell is what's called the elder. Yes, this is the person who has been in the group the longest. Uh, it's not. We're not talking about elders as in the, uh, the oldest alive person. We're talking about the oldest member of the group. Right, right. The oldest in terms of if we count them joining the church as yes. like day one. Yeah, day absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And then an elder is placed in charge of each group or cell or camp, whatever you want to call it. And these elders then, as these cells function, take orders directly from Roberts. Yes. And there are – they're not going to be questioned by the people who are beneath them. No. They're just going to jump when they're told to jump because Brother Evangelist Roberts – he did change his name to Evangelist by the way. Uh, he has the first and last word on any and all issues – questions, declarations, and decisions. Furthermore, they have stark gender division with prescribed duties for each person based on – oh, and we should go ahead and say they only have the two genders. Yeah. It's only yeah. male or female. And, uh, and what, what kind of stuff are they required to do? Well, let's say you're a brother of the brethren. You're going to need to gather all the food. You're mm-hmm. going to have to protect the sisters physically – you're going to have to witness to people wherever you travel. And uh, then if you're a sister, you're going to have to cook and clean and sew and serve all the meals to the brothers and on top of that witness. So everybody's got a full plate here of things to do. The big issue here is that women are subservient to the brothers. There's and, – and, you know, that is a biblical thing. If you're taking the Bible literally, that mm. is one thing that you will find in there. Um, unfortunately. But 
here's the weird thing for a group of this kind. In my opinion, the weird thing. Mm-hmm. There is, a, according to the parents network, there is no sexual or intimate physical relationship of any kind between these members, the male and female members of the brethren. Not even for the purposes of procreation. No. Right. Just they are – I don't know. They're brothers and sisters literally in a way. Right. Uh, soldiers for their cause. The one common task for both genders in this group is to witness. In other words, to evangelize. And that's a little bit about how they interact with one another. But we have to get to the biggest question, which is this. How do they interact with the rest of the world? And we'll get to that right after a word from our sponsor. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season, millions tuned into the Betrayal Podcast to hear a shocking story of deception. I'm Andrea Gunning, and now we're sharing an all-new story of betrayal. Stacy thought she had the perfect husband. Doctor, father, family man. It was the perfect cover for Justin Rutherford to hide behind. They led me into the house, and... I mean, it was like a movie. He was sitting at our kitchen table. The cops were guarding him. Stacy learned how far her husband would go to save himself. I slept with a loaded gun next to my bed. He did not just say, I wish he was dead. He actually gave details and explained different scenarios on how to kill him. He, to me, is scarier than Jeffrey Dahmer. Listen to Betrayal starting on May 23rd on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. It's the end of the world as we know it, according to the Brethren. Yep. And while there is a certain allure to the idea of shucking off all these social constraints and living as a wandering ascetic or a monk or a nun of sorts, survivors of the group and the relatives describe it as much less romantic than we might believe, much more oriented toward the um, belief in a coming apocalypse, right? Mm -hmm. And much more rigid than outsiders may be initially led to think. So we talked a little bit about their recruitment tactic or we we mentioned it, but let's let's dive in. Let's dive in because I think longtime listeners are going to recognize some of these tactics from earlier works, right? Yes. So one of their their big recruitment tactic of quote unquote calling out people, finding lonely, vulnerable college-aged individuals and converting them works as both the carrot and a stick in a very a very smart and somewhat subtle way because the the carrot is, hello, welcome. This is the one true church. We are doing the literal work of God and you can be part of this community, the only one that will survive Judgment Day, the only one. And along the way, you will experience such freedom as you have never felt before, a freedom from all financial encumbrance and material goods. And if you don't go for that, you get the stick. What's the stick? Oh, you remember that thing? Hmm. Judgment Day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where everything burns and becomes just charcoal on everywhere? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, about that. Everybody else on the planet, every other human that you've ever met that has ever existed, they are damned. And they've – well, here's, here's why. Hmm. They've turned away from the true church, obviously. Even mom and dad? Yeah, even mom and dad, they didn't accept the carrot, so they're, you know, they're going to hell. This is literally the first and last chance. This right here, me coming to you and talking to you Mm -hmm. about my thing, Mm -hmm. this is the last chance you get before just fire. Well, I was going to go to biology 101, but now I'm freaked out. You're going to go to biology? Why? (laughs) What are you going to study in biology? I was going to be a doctor. Oh, mm, I'd recommend chemistry because all you're going to have is carbon. That's all that's going to be here. Just carbon. (laughs) Uh, And at this point, I guess the person would say, and you've convinced me. Yeah. Away with these Adidas that I'm wearing. Away with this book of biology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, There's only one book I need, right? That's, That's how it would happen. It's this King James. It's this King James specifically, except no substitutions. What's fascinating about this carrot and this stick is it sets the first precedent for interaction between the initiates and existing group members, whether they're brothers or sisters or elders or what have you, because it it puts forth a a dichotomy. And for the rest of their lives, if they're in this church, there is no gray area. There is only the black, white, yes, no, follow, don't follow, salvation or damnation for every decision, which is amazing and terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and additionally, as as you said, Matt, the inner hierarchy of the church is absolutist. They're determined entirely by when someone joined and how long they've been a member of the group. We found a pretty pretty interesting crowdsourced interview from a survivor who wished to remain anonymous. And he said, if you join the church one week before someone else, you had to, quote, obey that dude as if he was a servant of God that was sent to be your elder. The women that were in the group for 20 years were to be subject and obedient to a brother that was there for only a year. Young women were subject to everyone. One thing that comes to mind is that there was a 17-year-old boy that was an elder according to the length of time that he was in the church, which was all of his life. So members must be totally subject to him, even 40-year-olds. If you were a 50-year-old and joined eight years ago, you were subject to anything that 17-year-old said, unless it was super unreasonable, like told to do some atrocious act. 
Right, right. Or told to do something physically impossible. Yes. Grow another hand. (laughs) No, out of your butt. Oh. (laughs) You know, I, I, hopefully this kid wasn't saying that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's entirely time based. Uh, I don't, sorry, man. I I just, I went blue. I went to blue. It's okay. Hey, I, I'm with you. I'm trying. I just, it's not working. Okay. No, please don't try. No one listening to attempt that. Uh, so that's that, that internal communication is troubling. Communication with family and or authorities. Th- this is where we find the really sticky stuff and the most direct stuff they don't want you to know in regards to this organization. Whether you want to call it a church, whether you want to call it a spiritual movement, whether you want to call it a cult, they do not want you to know where they're going, what they're doing, or why. They have been told that they must abjure hate and loathe everything from their past life. Their life started over when they joined the church. Yeah, there's no contact with family members who are outside of the structure whatsoever at all. Unless, of course, Jim himself old Jimmy says, hey, you can talk to these guys. And if, and if he says it's okay, then it's okay. But the majority of the time, just parents, siblings, friends, the rest of the family, they're just completely locked out of the lives of the members of the brethren. Right. And it can happen suddenly. You can read accounts detailing how Roberts would instruct people to isolate themselves or to maintain contact. Uh, And write a letter to their parents. That's one of the first things they did. Mm -hmm. Write a letter and say, hey, sorry, can't be in your life anymore. Right. And I I don't want you to be all glory to God. You know, this is consensual on my part. That's what their letter says. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for it to be sent en route while they are traveling by bike or by bus often or occasionally by train hopping. I think a few still do that. And additionally, we have to mention several of these these people who are joining this movement or were joining it are not on necessarily on the fringes of society. We're talking about the owners of multi-million dollar businesses. We're talking about people who were attending Harvard, yep. which from uh, what what you may have heard is an okay school. Um, <laughs> and they're throwing away all their worldly possessions to, to join this thing. They're throwing away their relationships and they are chastised if they attempt to reach out to their parents. And you can see – or their parents or their, their spouse or whomever. And you can see the way that this splinters the group. But you can also just imagine if you don't have access to a cell phone, you don't have access to an internet connection unless you go into a library, right? Or unless you find a quarter for a payphone, you can, you can use a payphone if you can find one in 2018 – that's the only way you can communicate. And you guess you, you could also send a letter, but you can't wait around for that letter to return because you don't know when your leader will tell you to move somewhere else and you don't know where they're going to tell you to move. It's complete speculation, but I imagine if word got to Roberts that you had sent a letter of any kind to someone in any way, you might get a uh, a notice to get on the move. Just because that idea of you've got a a from address – you know, there's a return address on there right. and that could – you could give up the whole cell. Ugh, it's awful to think about it that way. But you could – it's just so easy to use a fake address. Yeah. Just write down a name of a building in the zip code where you happen to be mailing the letter from. Yes, but when you mail the letter from that zip code, it's going through the postal services or however you got it there. Right. System and you're – you know, you can at least get a rough area of where it came from. That's true. That's true. But – who doesn't love getting mail also in this day and age? <laughs> I feel like I have to point that out. Uh, you can always send us mail, by the way, if you wish. And that's a little bit of levity because we're, we're going into some dark territory here. Discussion with outsiders is only allowed to the extent that it encourages more people to join the group or that it attends to a need of the existing group. Mm-hmm. Discussion internally – 
the way that we would understand discussion is not allowed at all. Verboten, uh, the Germans would say. Similar to the Marines, oddly enough, the brethren follow a strict chain of command wherein contradictions are not only not allowed, they do not exist. They're impossible. They are impossible. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's bad, double plus ungood. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, due to the imminent approach of the end of days, single members are banned from marrying as, according to Roberts, there's not enough time. In other words, members are supposed to dedicate themselves entirely to spreading the message of the church. Couples with children were allowed to join back in the day, but the rules for those kids were incredibly strict, including, get this, a ban on playing, which is just disastrous to me. Yeah, that's the way you become a human, is you play. And – the bulk of their conversation is conducted through payphones only. Uh, they we don't know in the modern day for whichever members of the brethren are out there. We we still don't know if they're using burner phones. Not as effective anymore as concealing for concealing your uh, location. But Absolutely, they still work. They still work. And, you know, it's still better than buying a cell phone service plan. Yes. When you have renounced all worldly possessions. Yeah. I guess a cell phone is a worldly possession. Yeah, but so are clothes, right? But they make those. Do you think they can make cell phones? Maybe. If they make cell phones, this changes everything for me. Mm -hmm. I might think they're I – I would just be impressed by the MacGyverishness of it. Yeah, it's tough to dumpster dive for all those rare earth minerals. But maybe – I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the recycling program for electronics. Mm -hmm. There you go. So in the darker realm here, we see the allegations of abuse. The good news is that there are not allegations that we can find of sexual abuse other than forcing people to uh, ignore their own sexuality, mm -hmm. right? Which is a form of abuse. The big thing we found was emotional abuse. Members are held hostage to this group by the fundamental belief that leaving the brethren is tantamount to committing suicide. It's actually worse than committing physical suicide because you are sacrificing your soul. Yeah. The real thing that matters. Mm -hmm. And when – Members are suspected of straying off the path. They are harshly warned. They are probably put in a new cell with strangers uh, or people they don't know very well. And if they are ex-members, they are completely and successfully shunned. Because, uh, you know, uh, like the practice you've probably read about with the Amish or maybe some other groups, this group will – as a community, as a unit, ghost on its ex-members and they're very, very, very good at hiding. At least, you know, they don't sue the pants off of them, their ex-members, the way <clears throat> some other organizations, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> have. Mm. Anyway. It, uh, um, Laron? Yeah, that, that's what it is. Laron. Laron Hubbish? <laughs> yep. I'm almost there. Who is it? I can't think of it. All I know, all I know <laughs> is that when it comes to going to the doctor or getting medicine, any kind of prescription, mm -hmm. there is some weird stuff going on with the brethren. Yeah. Uh, the second the second tier or type of abuse would be negligence in terms of medical treatment. You see, the brethren believe that the use of medicine and doctors does not give the example of living by faith. That's a quote. Mm -hmm. So in some cases, members are believed to have died from curable conditions or injuries due entirely to the group's opposition to modern medical treatment or any medical treatment. Mm. So for anyone wondering why we're using the phrase are believed to have. Yes. It's because, again, a lot of people go off the grid and like we discussed in our Missing 411 episodes, a couple of other things, it is still in the age of GPS and spookily sophisticated satellites, it is still possible to dis disappear in this country easier, in fact, than you might think. Certainly and disturbingly so correct. But they have found some people, right? Yes, they have and some people have come forward. Some uh, – we found a Reddit thread where people were discussing 
this group and a couple of people saying that they were former members. Um, it's out there mm-hmm. and you can get out. And that's the big thing. I don't know how you would be listening to this if you are um, a member. It's much more likely that family members of someone who became a part of Brethren mm-hmm. is actually listening to these words. And let, let's take a moment and describe perhaps what you can do. The first thing that we found when we were looking into this is something called the Roberts Group Parents Network. And it has a website, N-F-I-S-H-E-L dot tripod dot com. It's an old tripod website. It's pretty great though. If you go through there, the mission of the website says in the group uh, is to release the members of the control of the Roberts Group and establish two-way communication and an open and loving relationship between members and their families. So they just want to reconnect family members with members of uh, the Roberts Group, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it goes on to say that if you recognize anyone on these pages or if you suspect your loved one is a part of the Roberts Group, we empathize with you. We know the pain you feel and deeply regret that you share our situation. On the other hand, we'd like to welcome you into our fellowship. We've been brought together from all parts of the country by our common loss. Our sorrow is the same. In supporting each other, we find new strength to make it through one day at a time and the new hope that we'll be reunited with the loved ones that were taken from our lives. So really, I mean, it's it's a sobering thing to go through that website because it describes exactly the types of people that are usually joining this group. Um, it talks about in full the scriptures. It talks about how the recruiting occurs. And there are even letters there written mm-hmm. to the sons and daughters of people who have joined the group and chosen to leave their family behind. Um, I would say this is probably a good group to join if you are dealing with something like this. If you don't like to join groups, maybe don't do that. If you're suspicious of all groups now at this point, uh, I can I would understand that. However, this is one to at least look at. Yeah, well said, Matt, and agreed. And currently, this brings us up to speed on the background and the nature of the very, very secretive group traveling off the grid entirely here in the U.S. and possibly in Canada and Mexico at times known as the Brethren or thanks to 2020, the Garbage Eaters. We do have one last piece of news here in conclusion – Brother evangelist Jim Roberts passed away at the age of 76 in 2015, likely due to cancer. He had not seen a doctor in 40 years. He was practicing what he preached. Um, And he had been alternately described as a sweet and harmless man or a, quote, paranoid megalomaniac who wanted to control every aspect of his followers' lives. As of a few years ago, the population of the group, which was never super, super large, had reduced to around 60 or so members. Are they still out there today, riding the rails somewhere? Is there still someone who wants to contact their loved ones and people from the life they left behind, but are too intimidated to do so? These are open questions. We do not know the answer, and there are very few people who do. Many of those who do know the answer don't want to be found. Yeah. I don't know where we go from here, Ben, besides just saying beliefs are tricky things. They, they, they can be like viruses sometimes. And they function almost exactly like viruses. A good belief can spread and infect and reproduce itself in the minds of others which is a beautiful thing and a terrifying thing and one of the most important parts of this show that we have to touch on here is the following. If you are or someone you know is involved in a cult-like group or let's say if we don't want to use the C word, uh, let's say an organization that is forcing them to do things against their will and isolating them and you're starting to see some of these red flags, do not be afraid to reach out 
two groups like the uh, Jim Roberts parent group that you mentioned, Matt. Don't be afraid to call someone for advice or look on forums. The resources are there. And many times it sounds easy to say, oh, there's nothing physically keeping someone in a spot. But we must remember that the heaviest, strongest chains we have ever put on a human being are always chains of ideas, not chains of steel or iron, and the chains that exist in your mind. And sometimes you need help to be free of them. You can find Ben and Nolan and I on Twitter, where we're Conspiracy Stuff. The same on Facebook. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. We have a website, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, where you can find every podcast we've ever made and some videos and other stuff on there. You can call us. We are 1-833-STDWYTK. Leave a message and you might end up on a show sometime in the near future. And if you don't want to do any of that, you can send your suggestions or your questions or your comments to conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.